The Pacers are summer leaguing with a fun, fun, fun start to the Vegas action. Jarris Walker looks awesome. The returnees look good. Kendall Brown looks healthy. And Vegas is the place to be. We'll talk about it all today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, it's all about Summer League, baby. What a fun start for the Pacers it was, taking down the Wizards in a game that ended up being close, even though it absolutely should not have been. It was absolutely a delight to watch everything come together for this young Pacers team in Vegas in their first game. We'll talk about all of it, the promising things, the lesser promising things, although there were definitely more of the former than the latter. Get to what to look ahead for at Summer League, all sorts of fun stuff tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit more about free agency, the Pacers' new league team. We got to meet Obi Toppin finally out here in Vegas, where Carlisle talked about him as well since that trade is now official. Uh, lots of other stuff to get to. We'll have another Summer League game tonight, obviously. Talk about that. Uh, throughout the week, we'll mix in a mix of Summer League and free agency topics. Want to dive into the winners and losers from free agency, Chris Duarte era, all sorts of stuff. And man, I am fully Vegas-pilled. This place is my first time here. It's a wonderful city. Vegas was built for me, and the basketball has been an absolute delight out here. I just got back from Wembenyama's second game. With the Spurs, this is a Pacers podcast, and we're talking about the Pacers, and specifically for this first segment, one Jarris Walker, who, for those of you on YouTube, you can hear Jarris Walker's post-game media session. I got to upload that to the Locked on Pacers YouTube channel, but uh, his game, his first game wearing a Pacer uniform, is exactly the showing of the skills that I thought could be a big reason to draft him, where... In uh, very high in this draft, I had him in my top six. Pacers got him at eight, and he showed exactly why. Obviously, it's one summer league game. I have no actual like career takeaways from him. I just care about the little skills, like I said last week. And he showed basically all of them. Right. We'll start with the defense, the thing he was billed for coming into the draft. Uh, three steals and three blocks. Headline that stocks obviously a general indicator of reading the game, being in the right places, knowing where the ball is going, knowing where to be to stop the ball. But that's not even the best way to me to talk about Jarris Walker's defensive performance because my second note from this game, taking notes in the game, is Jarris Walker, Ben Matherin, good D, blow up, pick and roll. My third note from this game is Jarris Walker has blown up three plays. That was three and a half minutes in the game, right? That was 200 seconds in to the first summer league game outside of his steal and block numbers. He was defending common actions very well. He was in the right place at the right time. He was blowing up plays. That was the first thing I tweeted about him when watching a film of him at Houston. Is he just like sees your plays? He says, screw that. I'm stopping it. I'm taking the ball. Like he's got the build to do that kind of stuff. And he looked dominant on that end of the floor. Obviously, he had that ridiculous block. Uh, I can't remember who was on. I think it was Quinton Jackson. He had a ridiculous block on Quinton Jackson uh, in this game. And just with, with a weak side rotation, like he just had some awesome, awesome moments on the defensive end that show why he is this fascinating defensive prospect. And another part of it that was encouraging, two things. One is he was switching a lot and he guarded multiple positions. These aren't NBA talent players, but they're very close. This is as close as you can get, uh, basically, 
and he did a great job on most positions, including, this was noteworthy to me, a short stint in this game where he was the five. He was the center on the floor. Isaiah Jackson was not out there, and Jairus Walker was. Uh, Shibwe was not out there either. It was just Jairus at the five, and I thought, wow, I'm surprised they're going to that, but that is encouraging to me, one, because he defended well there, but two, if you want to think long-term about the Pacers and their flexibility acquiring players, like if you view him as a two-position player, that's obviously fantastic. It's one game. We'll see if that's something they turn to. We'll see if that's something Jairus Walker's comfortable with when the NBA actually starts in October. But the fact that they were willing to turn to it right away, certainly something I noted in my notes and stuff to watch out for. And guess what? He held up there too. I mean, his defensive game was truly wonderful. And and that, among many things, is why he was such an impactful player despite shooting very poorly, right? We'll get to the offensive side now. 30 minutes, he was a plus one, despite being one for five from three, and three for 13 from the field, and that is a disservice to his offensive performance because, okay, let's talk about all the other stats. 13 rebounds, two of which are offensive rebounds, and the one that I tried to, to hammer this drum in the pre-draft process, why I was so high on Jairus Walker, five assists for Jairus Walker in this preseason game. He's play, uh, Brian Nash, you heard him on this podcast, the director of basketball IMG Academy, his high school. Jairus played point guard some at that school. He played point guard some before high school as well. He's got some playmaking chops. He's got some ball handling chops. I don't know if he'll ever be like a high, high level decision maker, but being that level of passer is extremely important for his offensive upside, not to be just a play finisher or pick and roll guy or whatever. If he can be even a semi-creator or catching the ball in the short roll and making a pass or any sort of decision that he can make, if he can make it correctly, that's vital. And so in one preseason game to already have shown that upside that he showed at Houston and not immediately have some yucky passes or not be able to read the game to instead be doing the opposite where his feel looks good, his passing was crisp, that was encouraging to me as well. And his stat line was, I mean, just saying it out loud, obviously the eight points, I actually told someone else right before the game, I won't say who, but in the arena I said, I don't even think Jarrett scores 10 points. Like that's not his game. That's not what Summer League is. And he could have gotten to 10 points. He shot enough. He shot more than I thought he would. Uh, but eight points, 13 boards, five assists, three steals, three blocks. Ridiculous. I mean, he just showed all the ways he can impact the game, even beyond a lot of the little stuff. And then the other note that I have, besides all the stuff I've already said, is, yeah, he went one for five from three. Uh, and this is the easy, like, rose-colored glasses thing to say. But I actually think the five is more important than the one. You'd, of course, like to see two. One of them rattled out, whatever. Um, taking them matters. If he's going to be a four who is, can be versatile and can play inside out and can do all these things that I've talked about and play make and short roll, you got to shoot a little bit or else guys just won't guard you and you're all of a sudden very limited in how you can be covered. If you're shoot, I mean, if you shoot one for five every game, you won't be covered anyway. But taking five is encouraging, I think, for his long-term shooting outlook if he's willing to get them up. And he shot him with confidence. Like the first one, he just got it right up right away. And the second one, he caught it and he got it up right away. And the third one, he hesitated a tiny bit. And if you listen to the postgame presser, I actually said, was there any nerves at all? Or were you just ready to go? Or were you ready to get those up? And he said there were no nerves. It looked like it on the first two. The third one made me think maybe it was just like first game jitters. But he got up five threes and they were not hesitation threes. He just wanted to get the shot up. He knew he was open. He recognized the situation. And bam, he made the right play, which was in those instances getting the three up. I don't know that the percentage will look better in future summer league games 
But I think that that is as good of a start as a shooter that you would have wanted to see from Walker. He's willing to get them up. His form looks fine. His release is quick. He did it multiple times in the first couple minutes of the game. I mean, I just, every single little thing you would have wanted to see from Jairus Walker in this game, outside of like actually making the shots, which let, like, actually I shouldn't gloss over that. That, yeah, three for 13 is not good, right? Like that is the obvious thing if you wanted to point to an issue or something for him to work on. Finishing the plays matters a great deal. And if he doesn't ever improve at that, we're talking about one summer league game. Please be mindful of that. But, you know, if that's a thing he's got to work on, yeah, of course, that's something to every player wants to be more efficient. Every team's never ending goal is to be more efficient. But he did every single other little thing that you want to see Jairus Walker do. Very well. He fit in right away with his team. He did it at multiple positions. And the defense thing that the Pacers have needed at that spot for forever looked good right away. And it was an awesome debut to me. 4-1 Jairus Walker in his first summer league game. And it probably won't be out by the time this podcast is out. But I did get to talk to him one-on-one out here in Vegas. So I'll have a nice fun story up about Jairus Walker, his background uh, a little bit more. And one of his hobbies off the floor. It'll be a fun story. Coming out later today. Apologies if you could hear that very loud hotel fan that I have here in Vegas. Let's talk about some of the returnees here in the second segment. Matherin led the way in scoring. Nembard, maybe like the best player on the court. Isaiah Jackson had his ups and downs. We'll get to all that here in segment number two. Before we do that, though, got to talk to you guys about Ibotta. Finally taking that summer vacation you've been planning, but dreading buying all the necessities before you take off. I can relate to that. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back. You can cash out into your own bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you shop with Ibotta, such as Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying it. Use the code LOCKED when you register. Boom, there you go. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store with the promo code LOCKED. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. If I say anything other than Lockdown Spurs for your second listen, I am not a basketball fan. Wemby Mania is here. Jeff Garcia will have more. His stat line was not impressive in the first game. Wemby stat line in his second game was ridiculous. And I, I this is actually the perfect... Uh, the Pacers podcast is the perfect place for this analogy. I hate to, to dive off topic a little bit here, but I was at both the Wemby games. They're can't-miss stuff for me. I just have to see what he's like in person. And for those of you from Indy who went to Peyton Manning games in the RCA Dome, you'll recall when Peyton Manning and the Colts had the ball, this applied to Andrew Luck a little bit too. When Peyton Manning and the Colts had the ball, that arena was silent, 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 completely quiet while the Colts did their thing. And when the opponent had the ball, it was so loud. And that's exactly the environment that the team wanted to give themselves an advantage. This obviously was not for competitive reasons, but these summer league games remind me of those because when Wembenyama has the ball, everyone's going nuts before he even does anything, before he dribbles, passes anything. Everyone's going crazy. And then every other moment, no one cares. <laughs> like when he's out of the game, the conversations go up, people go to the bathroom. It, it was truly a one-of-a-kind experience. I'm glad I got to see him play twice. Well, I am out here 
And he took the one-legged three and attempted to tie the game. Um, okay, Pacers time again. I apologize. I just want people to experience the Wembenyama show in the same way I have. If you get a chance to watch that kid live, you got to do it. Uh, let's talk about the returnees for the Pacers uh, again, like I mentioned with Jarris. If you want to hear Benedict Matherin's post-game interview, you can on the Lockdown Pacers YouTube channel in video form. Um, and we'll start with Matherin, who had an interesting game because stat-wise, really good. 27, th- f- uh, five, 27 points, 5 rebounds, and a block, uh, plus 12. His, his scoring looked fine. Here's what I would – he got to the line six times. That was a quarter of the Pacers' free throw attempts. That was more than anybody except for Quentin Jackson in the whole game. Like, he looked like Benedict Matherin. He looked like the guy that was really good in summer league last year. Um, that pick and roll where he and Jarris teamed up on defense to blow it up, that that was noteworthy. I wanted to see some defensive things from him because if you listen to the interview, he said something he's really, really focused on this summer is the defense. And he brings us up a lot. And I think he knows it sounds cliche. He kind of admitted it. But he said he wants to be the best two-way player in the league. And he even said, yeah, like I get that that sounds just like lip service, but like I do, I want to be that. And I've said that on the show before that I believe him. And the fact that he's even taking it a step further uh, with the way he talks about it is encouraging. But I thought he had some nice defensive moments in this game, not reflected necessarily with anything statistically besides the one block, but did a good job staying in front of his man and doing well uh, on that end. I liked his aggression in this game. However, I thought at sometimes he was looking a little too hard for his shot instead of just flow of the offense stuff. He took 21 shots in this game and he also had the six free throws so really his shot attempt number is higher uh the next highest on the Pacers was Nemhard with 14 I don't think that's a bad thing right summer league is about development more than the wins and losses and I think Matherin in general had a, a very solid game uh, I just think you know for a guy that you're, you're looking for a little more passing growth from him a, a, a few more deferrals would have been nice although uh, he made some nice reads in this game so overall I thought he had a solid outing, um, but not an amazing game. I think he'll play. Uh, this is a prediction, not a reporting. I'm guessing he'll play one more out there on Monday night, and then he'll be done. I think Isaiah Jackson said he's only playing two, so I imagine that's the plan for Matherin and probably Nemhart as well. Again, that is just me guessing, but I thought he was fine. Uh, I thought he played a, a, an above expectation game, even though there were definitely some warts that you'd like to see Matherin clean up, which is why it's good that he potentially could get a second game just a little more efficient, a few more. You know, passing reads, and that would have been a perfect game for him. But the scoring was still there, and and a lot of the time looked like the best player on the court. But the guy who looked like the best player the most of the time to me was one Andrew Nemhard, which was interesting because I actually got a couple tweets about him after the game for people who thought he wasn't that good, and I thought that was fascinating. Now, and that, that's like I get what they were saying. Like he had some moments of I don't know what the perfect word is indecision shooting. He still takes too many of those. Longer mid-rangers for my liking. He finished 6 for 14, although he was 6 for 10 on twos, which I thought was noteworthy. I would always love for any player to try to get closer to the rim on their drives. But I thought Andrew Nemhard, with his composure, his pace control, his passing, he had one of the sickest passes I've ever seen. We'll get to that in a second. In general, his defense was still solid. He looked really good. And the way he the way he was hunting for a shot is not something he does typically. Like He had a few games last year where he was, but it wasn't as much. He did a few, but he looked so smooth in this game where he just like skated around his man and ran the pick and roll and got his teammates involved and made the right pass and just got everybody into the right spots. I just thought it was a really encouraging game from him in, in the floor general variety and in the, in the setup ways, even though obviously going 6 for 14, like with Matherin, honestly like Jarrison and Matherin, you know, you'd like to see a little bit more efficiency there or just one three goes in and then he's 7 for 14 with 17 points and all of a sudden you don't say anything about it at all. 
Um, but he finished with 14 points, eight assists. That was a big number to me. He was that floor general type running the show. I'll be fascinated to see what the Pacers want him to be this year. Do they want him to be that 2-3 type again and rely on his defense? Do they finally want to transition him to the backup one? But if so, what does that mean for TJ McConnell? I think that's a big question heading into the season. But certainly Andrew Nemhard in this game, playing the one, looked very good as that floor general type. His passing was solid. One block, one steal was solid. Eight turnovers. That is where a lot of people had their concerns and their tweets at me with some of his decision-making, and I did understand that. He had some that were not uh, like a couple sloppy handle plays, a few force at pass kind of plays, but as, you know, as a guy learning, the, like not learning, he's been a point guard his whole life, but reestablishing that point guard stuff, which he wasn't doing last year, I would like to see him try more to play make than try less, if that makes any sense, like and in, in, in hunt for a shot more, so... Uh, that's definitely a growth area for him to clean up those turnovers. But the right amount of, of playmaking and floor generaling to me from Andrew Nimhart in this game and his eight assists were fantastic, including if you haven't seen the highlight yet, try to find it. He's double teamed on the right wing and Isaiah Jackson's man is the second guy double teaming him. So he knows Ajax is open, but he can't see very well because the double team's all over him. And he falls down to the left and while falling, whips the ball around one of the defenders to Jackson under the basket for a bucket. It was awesome. It was one of the coolest passes I've seen him make um, and definitely the coolest pass I saw in summer league play. So it, it was fantastic. Overall, again, like with Matherin, above expectation, but definitely some stuff you'd like to see him clean up in his second game. If he does play again, we'll obviously find out more about that on Monday. And the third returnee, the one who did say he thought he would play two games out in Vegas. I guess there's a fourth returnee, but uh, we'll get to him in the second segment. And the non-two-way contract returnee group, Isaiah Jackson. Um, some ups and downs, certainly, but 21 points on 10 for 12 shooting. All those are most of those came around the rim, right? I talked about wanting to see him expand his range a bit. He didn't even touch the ball that much far from the basket, but 10 for 12, you'll take every day of the week and twice on Sunday. 14 boards, including four on offense, was doing was very active on the glass. Three blocks, one steal, one assist. A lot of good stuff in that way, right? A lot of the stuff we know Isaiah Jackson is good at. Guess what? He's still amazing at it and is far better than the opponents. His defense is fantastic. I just want to see him step out a little bit away from the rim on some of these possessions. And another thing he needs to clean up throughout his whole career uh, that became an issue in this game and would have been a huge deal in a real game uh, a real regular season game, I should say. He had eight fouls. Um, he didn't. You can't foul out in summer league, so it didn't matter. He got to play 30 minutes still. Um, but that's definitely a cleanup area for him. Gennaro Pargo said after the game, the Pacers summer league head coach, also an interview you can watch on the Locked On Pacers YouTube channel, he said that that is something he thinks Jackson is working on and getting better at despite the hiccup in this game. Obviously, he would know better than I would because he sees him work out all the time. Uh, this game, the evidence was not there. Eight fouls was not good, but we'll see how that goes in game two for him. And he was a plus 14. Like, the Pacers dominated when he was in there. The vertical spacing threat, the defensive threat from him is still um, still very important. He did a lot of very interesting things in this game. He was the captain of their defense. And one of the pros of these games, too, is our media seats are right off the floor, right? Unlike at Pacers games where they're a little higher up. So we can hear them a lot better. And Jackson was communicating and being like a backline communicator defender type for this team. So for all three of the non-2A returnees, I would say they played an above-expectation game but still definitely have a thing or two to work on or clean up in another game that could happen. For Jackson, it would be the fouling to me and trying a couple, one or two things uh, more than 10 feet from the basket with the ball. For Matherin, it would be a little more deferral seeing what he can do as a passer in the next game. And for Nemhard, uh, it would be cleaning up the turnovers. 
a little bit. I thought he played a wonderful game, though. And Nemhard would have been my game MVP if that was such a thing that mattered in a summer league game. Want to highlight uh, Kendall Brown in the third segment, Pacers defense, a couple more summer league notes to close out today's show because uh, Kendall Brown was fantastic. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Lockdown Rockets to hear about Amon Thompson's debut despite getting hurt. That was a bummer. Or Lockdown Blazers for Scoot Henderson's debut, who also got hurt. What a bummer. Summer League has been on the injury front, but lots of fun ways to hear more about the rookies or for transactional stuff. The Sixers did some stuff this weekend. It's been fun to be around execs and scouts and agents and all this stuff while all this stuff is happening. A lot of chit-chatter going on out here in Las Vegas. Let's close out today's show with more Summer League Game 1 notes. Probably won't do any more full one-game pods um, from Summer League unless there's a lot of noteworthy stuff. Like, this is the first Pacers action we've had since late April. A lot to digest. I think they'll be more segment-related. We'll see how the rest of Summer League goes. And then at the end, we'll do a big takeaway show with someone else who watched all the action. Uh, perhaps, though, again, if they play awesome or uh, have a ton of noteworthy moments, there goes the loudest AC unit in the world once again, uh, then we'll talk about that. So Kendall Brown, Whew, a guy who is not on any contract, is still looking to prove a little you know, I don't know exactly what the Pacers are thinking with their last two-way spot, but I've said on this show I think Kendall Brown's probably the leader for it, but they haven't seen him play since February. No one has because he's been playing the game since he played against the South Bay Lakers in early February before his surgery. So no one really knows where he's at, or at least no one publicly knew. The Pacers obviously knew a little bit. Where he was at, what he would look like in a game, how much growth he would show from last season because of the injury. Well, boy, did he look like he was playing games while he was injured. He looked really good. His first quarter stint especially was phenomenal. He was finding little places to dive and beat Kendall Brown around the rim early. His defense was blowing plays up. His athleticism, guess what? That was still there. He had this one play. This was the the, the one of the plays that made me scratch my chin and go, ooh, hmm, is uh, Andrew Nemhard caught it like 75 feet from the rim and took one dribble and looked up and saw Kendall Brown was open on the right wing all the way down the floor. So he threw the hit-ahead pass. Great pass from Andrew Nemhard. And Kendall Brown is 20 years old, and we haven't seen a ton of – like, awesome passing upside from him. Well, he realized when he was about to catch it that someone realized he was open and was going to come defend him. So he caught it and immediately threw the lob up to Isaiah Jackson for a dunk. And so the Pacers scored from 75 feet with just two rapid-fire passes. And I thought that read from Kendall Brown was incredibly noteworthy uh, to see and impressive from him. He had a really awesome first, and he had some good play, uh, play in general throughout the game. I thought but his first in especially was really solid and when I tweeted about him the most. So he finished with nine points on four of six shooting. That's what you want to see. Didn't take any threes, just did his work inside the arc. Uh, four rebounds, including one in the offensive end. One assist, that one I just said. And the big one, five blocks. Boom, Kendall Brown swatting shots, leading the Pacers in blocks. Would not have expected that with Jarrett Sheepway and Ajax on this team. But he was blocking shots. He was rotating from the weak side. He was doing it to his man. He had two on two possessions. His defense looked awesome. If you're an everydayer and you listen to the show all the time, you've heard me say the thing that stood out to me the most about Kendall Brown's rookie season was not any offensive growth that he had, even though he did. The athleticism was obviously impressive. It was his defense at the G League level that clearly grew the most to me from day one to when he could not play anymore. I think you got to see a little bit of the flashes of that in this game with the five blocks. He didn't turn it over that much in his minutes. He played, ended up playing 20 minutes. He was the four next to Jarris in that lineup where they went smaller for a brief stint, and that group did pretty well. I really, really enjoyed 
what Kendall Brown did in this game. I'm certain the Pacers did too. He looked good. Um, so if they were hoping to see him be healthy and, and play well before knowing what they wanted to do with him in the future, then, hey, they've seen him play now uh, at a high level. Of course, there's four more games. But very encouraging first summer league game uh, for Kendall Brown. And he, maybe compared to expectations, was one of the better Pacers in this game. We only got two minutes of Mojave King, the Pacers' 47th pick. I almost said 48. That was Kendall Brown's pick. Uh, so not a lot to take away from him. Ben Shepard uh, could not hit his shots. There were times when he could just not – the ball would not was not finding Ben Shepard in this game. And obviously that's that's like the lazy way of saying it. Some of that is on Shepard himself. He only took four shots in this game. He's got some work to do on the defensive end. He probably had the, the game compared to expectations that went the furthest in the negative direction uh, to me. I would definitely like to see more from Ben Shepard in future games. I think when there's fewer guys who are, you know, the, this level of player out there, uh, getting their shots like Jackson, like Mather, and like Nimhard when they're done for Summer League. I think we'll get to see a lot more of Ben Shepard game expansion. You did not get to see that very much in, in this game. I didn't think he was like terrible, but definitely areas where he can find a way to be more impactful or step up a little bit. And then Isaiah Wong, uh, the two-way contract guard. The Pacers picked 55th overall. I got to make sure I get all these pick numbers right. Um, one for four, two rebounds, two assists, six points. Uh, he also had six fouls. I, th- I think he's got a couple things to work on. Uh, I think he had some first game jitters. I would like to talk to him when we get a chance out here in Vegas. Uh, he's definitely from a floor general perspective and a scoring perspective got some stuff to work on as well as on the defensive end of the floor. And then Shibwe was only in for eight minutes. Hard to take away a ton from that. He had two offensive rebounds as Oscar Shibwe does uh, and four free throws because he gets fouled when he gets a rebound two inches from the basket. So that's certainly a skill that uh, he is good at. And every time there's a ball in the air near him, for a rebound, I, I assume he's going to get it. And I have never watched him play before Summer League. So he certainly impressed me, even in a short stint. Uh, that's every player who played. Only shorter takeaways from the guys who didn't play as much or didn't do as much in Shepard's case. Certainly we'll see more of those guys again as time goes on. If, you remember, if you've seen any Pacers Summer League action ever, you know that after the first couple games when some of the top guys drop out, you start to see some of these uh, more recent picks or you know guys, whoever, where they are on their basketball path play more and show what they can do. Uh, so I'm assuming we'll see more of those in future games, and we'll talk about those those as they come. But the Summer Pacers, Gennaro Pargo's first game as head coach, got smoked by water in the locker room after the game. He said there was so much water drenching him and congratulating him that he couldn't even see who poured it, which is always a fun moment for a coach to get that first win. He had to change shirts before media because he was soaking wet. It was very funny. Uh, but congratulations to General Pargo. Again, you can hear his media availability on the Lockdown Pacers YouTube channel. Uh, one more thing I want to point out about this game and something that I think is worth watching in Game 2 of Summer League is the defense, right? We got to talk to Rick Carlisle at halftime. We got to talk to him a little bit about Obi Toppin, which was the point of that. But that conversation, uh, I'm sure you can read some of that in stories coming up. I asked him, though, at that halftime, I said, what did you think of that first half, Rick? And he said... I like what we're doing on defense. We're really watching the defensive end, and that was halftime, which is noteworthy to say because at halftime, the Wizards had 29 points, uh, and the Pacers had allowed just 10 points in the second quarter. They went on this huge run. Their defense looked really good, right? I just named a bunch of defensive stats from Jarris and Kendall and, and Isaiah Jackson that were solid. Like, they looked good on the defensive end. They were protecting the rim. And then Pargo said that, you know, the, the other team came out with a better mentality than the Pacers, and their third quarter defense was awful. They gave up 32 points in the third, and they did so bad that they ended up actually giving away this massive lead into the early fourth. Now, they they were more talented, and they got the win, and 
you know, you forget about it. But that, that third quarter defense, it was one out of the four quarters, right? So I, I don't want to make it like the hoopla of the whole game because the other three quarters they defended at worst capably. But you definitely don't want to see that from a team focusing on their defense, like Carlisle said, and something they're truly watching. So uh, the Pacers' defense is going to be one of my big watches in game two, three, four, and five, honestly, and six if they do well enough. Uh, so we'll see where all that, that side of the ball shakes out for them. I thought they definitely were looking good on that end in the first half, and then in the, they had some shaky moments in the fourth quarter as well. The second half definitely provided some moments for them to clean up and some stuff to identify on film that they, that they need to grow. But, you know, it's not like any single player, like Johnny Davis had the most points for the Wizards, but he was 8 for 18. Like, it's not like any single player was torching them or any specific action. They just have a little bit of dirty work to clean up on that end of the floor, and I think that's some. I think that's probably the biggest thing to watch heading into Game 2. We'll see where that all ends up for the Pacers, though, who are 1-0 in Summer League tomorrow. Still going to be a Vegas podcast because that's where I am. Uh, we'll be talking about Obi Toppin meeting with the media, his conversations about where he feels like he fits the Pacers. Pacers Summer League Game 2 and third topic, TBD. We'll see. I have a lot of stuff I could, in theory, talk about uh, from out here. Maybe Carlisle talking about Obi Toppin, maybe something we hear in post-game media. We'll see where this shakes out. There's a lot out in Vegas that I can, in theory, talk about. Thank you guys a ton for listening today. Hope you had a great weekend, and we will see you tomorrow.